0: on this episode of The Alt-Normal.
1: Your frequency creates absolutely everything in your life. This is why, for me, the best investment I can make is in myself and my own frequency. I would rather spend a million dollars learning how to manage my frequency than buy a million dollar house.
0: Another coronavirus vaccine has shown to be highly effective. Welcome to The Alt-Normal, an exploration of the diverse voices on planet Earth.
1: Joe Biden
0: will become President of the United States. Doing the critical work of rebuilding a healthier, more sustainable alternative future. At the intersection of self, community,
1: and the planet. We live in uncertain times. Powerful moment of revolution.
0: How we choose to steer the path will determine what kind of Alt-Normal we consciously remake together.
1: Everyone has a part to play. Let's
0: Let's rise. rise, rise, rise. Shift and support this exciting new reality in the making. The Alt-Normal. Hi, I'm Tiffany Wen, the host of The Alt-Normal. This is a show that centers embodied integration as the absolutely critical force for rebuilding this post-pandemic world that's ever more sustainable, diverse, and inclusive. Culture needs a rebrand that goes deep at the core of who we are in the integration of our rich diversity, complexity, and emerging alternative paradigms. Let's be real. We are in a crisis of consciousness, realizing that the only way to change things out there is to first change things in here. The power structures and institutions can only take us so far. To see a world that's diverse and inclusive for all actually requires us to change from the inside out, shifting into actionable models of power with one another versus power over one another. Now more than ever, we need a new story for humanity that leans into the diversity of who we are and our emerging zones of genius to live more truthfully in how we relate to ourselves, our community, and the planet. So let's pick up those forgotten pieces of ourselves to rebrand our story of humanity from one of separation to one of integration. We're talking integration of the mind with the body, the scientific with the spiritual, strategy with emergence, and the individual with the collective. This show is produced by Resonance, the creative practice of Dig, Seed, Grow, a methodology that powers our core capabilities in branding and content creation. Our mission is to design resonance between brands and their most valuable audience to drive the greatest possible impact. After 20 plus years of working in New York City and Milan for Fortune 500 companies and marketing and advertising, we decided to take the big leap and make a fundamental shift in how we work and bring brand stories to life. The Alt Normal is recorded at Destination Outpost, a co-living and co-working community based out in Bali. They have amazing spaces located in Ubud and Canggu, that enable people to live and work from paradise, encouraging people to live differently so they can work from beautiful destinations and build strong connections with others on a similar path through life. So that's what we're all about here at the Alt Normal. And I am really excited to be joined by our guest today, Alex Molodorov. Is that how you pronounce your last name?
1: Close. Malaradov.
0: (laughs) Malaradov. Okay. Alex Malaradov. So Alex is an intuitive guide and mentor, helping people design and create their dream reality. Through unlocking people's understanding and embodiment of quantum reality and intuitive abilities, Alex opens his clients to experience a life of deep meaning and freedom. Alex bridges the business and spiritual worlds having earned his MBA from Columbia, and spending years in the venture capital space. His intention with his work is to create a generation of heart-led quantum leaders who are harnessing their power to shift collective consciousness. (laughs) I love it, Alex. So many things to unpack in just your bio alone. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Super happy to be here.
0: Awesome. So I really want to start kind of big and unpack a lot of these terms that you use to really help people do this important work. So let's start with quantum physics. So for those of you guys who don't know, this area of science has been around since the early 1900s. And uh, the basic premise is described by many, but probably most popularly by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he says, um, quote, from a quantum standpoint, we have to create a different state of being and generate a new electromagnetic signature. When we do, we will match a potential reality in the field that exists only as an electromagnetic potential. Once the match exists between who we are being and that potential, we will naturally be pulled towards that potential reality, end quote. So... You know, Joe Dispenza really, like, breaks it down scientifically, and he's written all these best-selling books. And we've seen quantum physics and quantum creation go a bit more mainstream these last couple years, helping people heal chronic illness, transforming their lives in big ways. And, yeah, this evidence really shows that quantum creation is here to stay if we choose to accept that we are actually more powerful than we've been conditioned to think. And so, with that stage set, I'd love to start by asking you, Alex, what does it mean to quantum create for you? And can you tell us about the first time you experienced this in your own life and what were those gifts that you received?
1: Mm, it's a good question. The way he unpacks it, it takes me back to my engineering background days. <laughs> so, I studied uh, electrical engineering, and a big portion of it is quantum physics. And so, the biggest takeaway from that entire experience for me was anything is possible at any given moment. And that's the part that resonated for me, which I identified with. I was like, yeah, that feels good. I'd rather not have limitations. And the way he describes it, there's probably different ways of uh, saying that same thing. But one of the things to understand is um, I think the foundation is there is a bigger universe than than just us. right? It's like a leaf on a tree looking around and thinking, yeah, I'm the best leaf. I'm so green and awesome. And then at some point it has this awareness, whoa, there's like 15 other leaves on this branch. And then eventually they're like, oh, wait, we're on a tree and this tree is in a forest and this forest is on a piece of land. That's the same as expanding your levels of consciousness. So when people talk about consciousness expansion, you can think of it as that it's a shifting perspective of the world that you're in and what you means in that context. Are you identifying as the leaf? Are you identifying as the tree? Are you identifying as the forest or actually all of them, right? So that's one of the shifts that people have begun to take where more and more I've noticed people recognize there's more to life than eating food and watching TV shows and working and having a family. People are starting to ask more and more, okay, what else is there? Because that can't be the only thing because people end up working their entire life so that they can make certain amount of money, buy certain amount of things and go on vacations twice a year for five days. Apparently, that's something to brag about these days. And at the end of life, they're like, oh, I guess that was supposed to be a good life, but they're not really happy. And one of the things we get to start accepting is, hey, what else is there? And maybe maybe I deserve to explore that. And so in terms of we can go into different experiences of kind of how that's manifested in my life. But one of the biggest shifts is. I was learning from one of my mentors early on uh, about these, let's say, quantum healing abilities and the ability to, in seconds, remove locks that people have had for, for decades. And I walked out of that retreat. We were at a, a retreat in LA and I walked out of the retreat and I realized, wait, I can do this. I wasn't just like a participant. I can, I can do this. And I thought that everybody could do it. I was like, well, all of us were at the same retreat, right? <laughs> like everybody learned how to do this. And somehow it turned out that other people didn't have the same experience. And so literally a couple of days later, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. So uh, I was meeting a friend for dinner and she brought along a friend of hers and I was like, okay, can we, can we try something? And so I took her into this kind of quantum state, uh, which just literally means through my own energy, I can induce or kind of take people into the state that is akin to psychedelics or very deep meditation where it's embedding deep into the subconscious. And so I guided her through in a span of three minutes through removing a block, and she's like, I feel like a piece of my brain just opened up that I haven't had access to ever. And that really concretely showed me, yep, this is possible. And it's not just something I'm observing, it's something that I was just able to enact and actually witness a person transform in the span of three minutes.
0: So when your friend said, I just opened up a part of my brain that I haven't ever had access to, can you give more color or words to what is that part of the brain that can be accessed that hasn't been accessed and we can unpack this further along in the combo but just in that example alone from your friend what is that
1: and so the thing is it's totally different for every single person because i would never presume to say hey i'm gonna unlock this part of your brain for you because i have no idea my key is to teach a person to uniquely access the different parts of themselves all parts of themselves and that's going to be different for each person because each one of us has our own individual blueprint, our own individual, let's say, blocks and traumas that we get to transmute so we can access more parts of ourselves. And yes, there's some common fears that pretty much all of us have growing up You know, on this, on this planet. It's fear of not being enough, fear of not being loved, fear of being rejected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's like these like slave grids that you can call them that are culturally and kind of imbued over years, over thousands of years that people are subjected to and that we get to shift out of through this work. And so what what I do is um, basically I figured out, I basically connect a person directly through their subconscious uh, to their superconscious, So their higher self, their, this kind of this state of where they can no longer be bound by the limiting beliefs that they have. All of those are gone. The inner mind is completely silent. And they can receive direct guidance from the part, the aspect of them that already knows the best for them. And so through that, they can connect with fuller aspects of themselves that before then they were never able to access. Because your connection to that, you can't connect directly without going through the subconscious. This is why subconscious mastery is a must. Because otherwise, you're going to be falling and pulled back out of those, you know, through limiting beliefs, you're going to be pulled out of the realities that you want to be in.
0: Wow. Okay. Great way to start, huh? So we're coming back to this because I I think this is really powerful and it seems like anyone can access it. Just like you said, after the retreat, right? Maybe not everyone had that experience that you did, right? And so it's potential that lives inside of all of us. So before getting deeper into that, um, I want to talk about your big leap from your old life into the life that you're currently living. So taken from your, your website and your story, you were the youngest partner once upon a time ago at a venture capital fund, investing in wellness, living in Switzerland with a high salary. You were right a graduate from Columbia University, very prestigious um, institution, but also having almost daily anxiety attacks at work in fear of losing your job. Um, and then at one point you left all that. And you immersed yourself in plant medicine healing that, um, had you come out with a particular language about your experiences. And I'm going to just quote you on something and then we're going to unpack it because I I like these words, but I also want to understand them. So you say, quote, my wizard codes and gifts were coming online at rapid speed, a journey that started with self-love, childhood trauma patterns, and limiting beliefs quickly evolved into quantum healing, timeline shifting, starseed activation, and psychic abilities, end quote. So first off, can you help us translate, starting with like the wizard codes for, for the quantumly uninitiated amongst <laughs> us, and just give us the cliff notes, like let's start off with wizard codes. What, what is that for someone who like is so curious about this, but they're like, whoa, Is that like Fantasia or something? Or is that something that we have access to that's real?
1: Well, first of all, uh, whatever makes something real for you is your belief that it's real. And that's, you know, one of the aspects that we get to accept is people's. There's this beautiful quote, I believe it's by Henry Ford, that says, whatever you believe you can or cannot do, you're right. And so you can extrapolate that and say, whatever you believe your reality to be or not to be, whatever you believe is possible or is impossible. Okay, that's true for you. For you, not for anyone else, but for you. And so this is once we realize we're all kind of living in our own individual reality and we either choose to be influenced by others' realities or we choose to create our own. And so unless we create our own, we're only going to be living in other people's dreams, other people's traumas, etc. So that's kind of this shift to being a creator of your reality rather than passively going through life and, you know, being uh, kind of a hero in someone else's story. And sometimes it's not even a hero. <laughs> and in terms of wizard codes You could describe that as the ability to, let's say, create in the quantum and do some of those things like do quantum healing, like talk to ETs, like to channel certain quantum technologies that enable you to heal things much faster, right? So these are abilities that um, people allocate often to magic, uh, to say wizardry and It is this ability to kind of manipulate timelines and shift them around and to jump into a future and anchor there, reprogram your memory, kind of create alternate timelines and know how to do all of that, right? Because all of those things, while they may sound kind of etheric, then the ability to ground them, it actually shifts your life pretty instantly. And so there is a reason that a year and a half ago, I was still working in finance in Switzerland. And now I'm teaching people how to expand their consciousness to higher dimensions. Because it is possible to integrate and unlock all of those things very, very quickly if you, if you know how to work through the quantum field. And so this is one of the biggest benefits to growing quantum is you're able to learn and grow just light years faster than anyone who's following a linear path. And you're able to unlock elements and abilities in yourself that many people don't even believe possible, even though many of us have access to them. Every single person has psychic abilities. Every person is clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, etc. However, many people just aren't aware of that. They've been conditioned societally to believe that that's wrong or taboo, etc. And so they just ignore that aspect of themselves. Okay, and that's totally fine. However, the people who choose to go down this path, they're like, but what if I do have them? What if there is a 1% chance that there is more to life that I've been led to believe? What, is what if there's a chance for me to even discover that? And that's, that's worth everything. Is to actually take that journey and then see okay at least i tried and at least i got to see for myself and to experience for myself what is my potential because otherwise and this is an exercise that many people just don't do okay if you're happy where you are project that out forward you're on you know you're, you have like three days left to live and put yourself in that state and look back on your life are you happy who's around you are you happy with the impact that you made Do you feel like you did all the things that you wanted to do? And for many people, it would be kind of hell no, because many people are going to be saying, oh, I didn't follow this path because I was afraid of rejection. And I didn't know this was possible or I thought that this was wrong. And at the end of life, you're like, I wish I didn't give a shit that I thought it was wrong. I wish I just did it. And so translate that back to now and start taking different actions.
0: Is that an example of timeline shifting to do an exercise where you visualize You know, the thought experiment of I have three days left, looking back now to see my legacy or to see how I truly lived my life and then ask myself those questions. Is that an example of timeline shifting or does it have to come from a less cognitive place and more of this creative place that exists within the quantum field?
1: So in a way, yes, because you are going into kind of a future aspect of yourself. And the key here is not visualization, but uh, embodiment. Visualization implies viewing. Embodiment implies having a full sensory experience, meaning you smell what your room smells like. You hear what people around you are saying. You feel what it feels like to be in your body. Keyword is feeling and connecting that to feeling. So it's not just seeing, right? So it's not just a mental thing. So the key is to embody yourself into that. Feel what it feels like. Do you like it? No? Okay, then shift something. So you're constantly able to connect to different aspects of yourself, whether it's past, whether parallel or future, and actually receive direct guidance from them. And so this is what Joe Dispenza talks about in his quote. So in other words, in order to shift, let's say you have a dream of yourself being, you know, whatever, uh, a public speaker, um, flying around the world and first class and being a millionaire and having a beautiful family, etc. So your ability to, okay, immerse yourself in that reality And to feel on a sensory level very deeply what that feels like. How do you dress? How do you carry yourself? What kind of words do you use? How do you look at people? How do you look at yourself? How does your room smell? How does your life smell? How does your wife talk to you, etc.? And having a full sensory experience, that is the vibrational identity of you in that place. And then the ability to hold that vibration outside of that experiment in the present. And so this is where your subconscious will pull you out unless you've done the work. And the ability to hold that will, you will need to transmute any, anything in your life that's preventing you from being a match. And that's usually limiting beliefs and traumas, et cetera. Your ability to hold that is what will allow you, is the only thing that will allow you to actually be in that reality.
0: Wow. It's like a muscle.
1: It's yeah. I think of it as astral bodybuilding. You go to the gym, (laughs) you go to the gym, you're like, I lift things up and put them down. I lift weights. Well, you gotta do the same thing with other muscles. You gotta turn you gotta, you know, you gotta learn to surrender into death. You gotta learn to walk through fear. You get to learn to just surrender to guidance that is higher than yourself. You get to learn to trust yourself. There's like a whole set of muscles that many people just have atrophied that they haven't learned how to exercise, but you can learn how to do that. And this is we're just showing you what is possible so that if you're interested in this, then you can start asking different questions. And so one of the key technologies of reality architecture is asking questions, asking the right question. So many people, they look at their life that I've noticed and they don't like the relationships that, that they're in. They don't like the how much money they make. They don't like the sex they're having, whatever it is. And the question that they ask, whether they admit it to themselves or not, is why is this happening to me? Which is the question of a victim. And the And because you're asking that question, the universe works vibrationally. So it's going to pick up on the vibration you're emitting by saying that. And so when you're saying, why is this happening to me? Vibrationally, what you're saying is, I deserve this. I deserve to be treated exactly like this. And you're asking for proof. And the universe goes, okay, well, that's kind of dumb, but I'm going to give you all the proof you need because this is what you want. You have free will. And so it's going to create situations. It's going to do everything possible to prove to you that you're not worth a better treatment because that's the question you're asking. If you want a different reality, change the question.
0: It's so interesting as you say that, my mind goes to that saying or that phrase, fake it till you make it, mm. you know, fake it till you make it. It almost, and, and there was a famous TED talk called fake it till you become it. And really embodying mm. a reality that you know you are becoming has a different flavor than fake it till you make it because there's still that if you make it, which mm-hmm. is, as you say, everything works vibrationally and through electromagnetic signals then even the subtlest vibration that is out of alignment with what you truly desire can completely throw off the reality that you're in the process of creating
1: totally you get to become 100 percent cognizant of every single of your vibration at any given second The moment you have a trigger, it's your job to shift it instantly and not carry it throughout the day because it's going to affect every single conversation that you have and it's going to spread out and like ripples, every person you touch. So think of a time when you're really happy, where like, wow, I'm so fulfilled. I'm so grateful. Every conversation you have, you're going to notice those same things in that person. Why? Because that's where you're emanating and that's what the field is presenting you. And you're going to have one-to-one matches. You're only going to experience those frequencies. When you're angry, have you noticed that people who are angry get in more fights or they constantly find more ways to more reasons to be angry about? Why? Because their anger attracts only other anger frequencies. And so the key here is to learn a everything in your life you've created the good things, the bad things, everything is created by, you know, by, by the individual. Once that's there, once you accept that you can figure out, okay, then how, if I want to change it, then, then you figure out how to change that. And that's learning how to manage your state. That's learning how to manage what you're feeling and being kind of a guardian and custodian of your frequency and recognizing your frequency creates absolutely everything in your life. This is why, for me, the best investment I could make is in myself and my own frequency. I would rather spend a million dollars learning how to manage my frequency than buy a million-dollar house. Because if my frequencies, if I can install, let's say, billionaire consciousness, it doesn't matter. Those, all those things will happen instantly.
0: Billion-dollar consciousness.
1: (laughs) We had this conversation before the show,
0: and it's a really fascinating concept to just replace currency with consciousness, because essentially, if we're saying that everything starts vibrationally, then anything that you start to invest in energetically will theoretically manifest in reality, in matter, in the material world. Um... Okay, so maybe we'll park the billion dollar consciousness. I feel like that's going to come around again. Um, but kind of to shift into this world of quantum creating, you mentioned earlier that engineering has been a thread in your life. Mm. And this idea of quantum creating is almost like quantum engineering is very interesting to me. So you got a master's in electrical engineering from Johns Hopkins. And I'd love to sort of explore this link between. Engineering in the material world and engineering in the quantum world, which seems to be like your zone of genius where you thrive. So yeah, you kind of answered this before, but um, how does yeah engineering help you understand engineering your consciousness to create your your desired life? You talked about, you know, subconsciously reprogramming yourself, you've used words before the show called Cosmic Surgery, like rewiring essentially your brain. Um, Can you kind of go a little bit deeper into this practice that you yourself do um, and then how that translates to how you work with your clients or your community?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I think the biggest thing that engineering enables me to do and has enabled me to do is to have this systems type of perspective on, on everything, where for me, it's entirely natural to receive a bunch of data and instantly see, okay, it breaks down into these three boxes, like very succinct, very precise, very structured. And so I've had that throughout my life. And so that's led me to be great at consulting because it's very easy for me to streamline information and present it in a way that a person can digest very easily from a mental perspective. And what I've done now is combined it with, let's say, the more wizard, shamanic, um, like spiritual side, where... It's given me the ability to take esoteric concepts like intuition, like psychic abilities, like channeling, like subconscious work, and structure them and explain them in a way that is very easily understood by a person's brain. And so a lot of my clients do come from, they are highly intelligent, they are highly driven, they're high achievers, and now they've had some experience of awakening you that usually either through plant medicine, through the Vipassana, through Tantra, through Joe Dispenza's like advanced workshops, whatever those are. Things that have dropped them into their feeling body a little more, and they're like, okay, I I get to combine these two things, and this is where I can exactly help them because I can bridge those. And so, in terms of practices, a useful metaphor is you can think of your consciousness kind of like a computer, and you know you have the hardware, you have the software, and the software that many of us have, you can think of like MS DOS from back from like 50 years ago, and those are the programs that are running there. And we think that. Those are the only programs that exist. But if you try to install, you know, Windows—I don't know—I don't even know what Windows we're on now. But <laughs> let's say software that's forty years later is going to break your computer. You're not even going to be able to install it. And so, one thing is to understand is that we have a very modular consciousness, meaning you have you find a program like a belief that you have. Let's say many people have the belief that um, money is bad. That people were raised with this consciousness that people who are wealthy are evil or you know once you become wealthy you become greedy or whatever those set of beliefs are and there are hundreds of them by the way so you find a belief like that if you decide that it's no longer serving you you can literally rewire your brain to replace it with something that is and recognizing that your brain there's this concept of neuroplasticity meaning whatever path you're used to thinking along you can create a new path and this is where things like know quantum energy work or psychedelics are helpful because they actually make your brain especially for a time very very neuroplastic and very malleable and they almost like allow you to form those new paths very easily where it doesn't take as long this is why like people say ayahuasca is 10 years of therapy in one night this is why because it allows you to form new neural pathways extremely quickly in the moment in five seconds Yes, you get to do the integration work, and that takes months and years, et cetera. However, the key is recognizing we all have neuroplasticity. And so, for me, at this point, it's I find something that might shift me into certain, you know, let's say it's a trigger. Those are the best gifts for me these days. Like, the best thing somebody can do is trigger me, is because it, ha- it doesn't happen super often and decreases every day. But when it does, I know exactly what to do with it, and I know that that trigger is actually. Um, constraining the amount of energy that I can channel for other things and I know how to shift it and then release that energy. So any fear, any shame, any you know any anger, any trigger, trigger like that, it's actually preventing us from fully utilizing our our full potential. And so learning how to work with it and to recognize, okay, this no longer serves me, I can shift it out and install a new program almost instantly, that's an important concept to recognize is and this is what I would invite people to start asking And this is where I get my clients to start asking, okay, whatever you believe, have you asked yourself why you believe that? And actually being honest with yourself. So when people are like, oh, but the Bible says so, okay, why do you believe the Bible? Honestly, why? Because someone told you to, okay, if that's a good enough reason for you, go ahead. For me, that's not a good enough reason. I only have like one source of information. That's, does it feel resonant to me at the moment? Yes or no. I don't care if it's written in every textbook in the world. And this is the difference between mind knowledge and heart knowledge. My knowledge, you believe something based on other people's beliefs. You write it in a textbook and, and you think you know it. All it's going to take is another textbook to come out, another study to come out that gives you some amount of information that for you to doubt your opinion. And you're like, oh, maybe it can be like that when you know something on an experiential level, when you've experienced it and you know this is true for you. So like, I, you know, I've talked to like spirits and ceremonies and outside of ceremonies, et cetera. And I don't care if every single person in the world says that's impossible. I'm like, okay, cool. It's possible for me. And that's the difference is I'm not affected by other people's opinions or experiences unless I choose to be.
0: It's almost like your experience and grounded in this knowledge of neuroplasticity gives you that unswayable anchor to trust and to continue building that trust within your body, which holds a lot of power more so than you know, I think most of humanity can't believe at this point, because we were just so driven by the mind, and we are valued and rewarded for that mind knowledge versus the integrated mind body knowledge that is so necessary for this work that you're talking about. So, okay, so staying on this thread of engineering. Okay, yes. So the idea of engineering, again, idea, let's unpack this. For me at this point, has contradicted the the practice of surrender or letting go, you know, which is a common denominator of spiritual traditions around the world. Um, Deepak Chopra, which I think most of us know who he is, he says, the ego loves to control everything. It creates the boundaries and limitations in which you imprison yourself. Surrender allows you to break free and step into what he calls this wisdom of uncertainty. With surrender, you can connect fully with your source where the whole universe conspires to support you. You can become timeless, eternal, joy-filled, and fearless. Amazing qualities. Who wouldn't want that, right? But in reality, it takes work. So you kind of touched on this, but um, where do you draw the line, maybe there is no line, (laughs) between quantum creating and shooting for or aiming for the impossible? Um, So for example and I hope you can convince me (laughs) otherwise, but let's say you were born into poverty, right? Poverty consciousness, you and I talked about this before the show. And you're like, I want to make a billion dollars, but literally you didn't have an education, but you hear what you're saying and you're like, I'm going to create a billion dollars. To me, from where I stand, maybe in my mind, that seems impossible. Do you think there is a line between quantum creating and... Aiming for something that's impossible, or do you think that it's it all comes back to one simple essence? Does that make sense?
1: It does. And whatever you believe is impossible, for you is impossible. For me, that's totally normal. What you described for me, I'm like, yeah, it's totally, totally doable. And that's the thing. This is why some people can thrive. And this is what you know doing this work enables you to do is to thrive in any circumstance, completely irrespective of the external environment, and learning that Yeah. You have this knowing, this confidence that I can be placed anywhere in the world and I'll be totally okay. This is why, like, (laughs) you know, you can you can drop two people into the middle of like Aboriginal Australia and one of them is gonna get eaten and the other person is gonna rule them in five days. I choose to be the person that rules them in five days. And if you believe that this is impossible, okay. Then then that's the reality. The key here is to learn that you define what is possible. And you have the power to change that. And so it's this concept of a limitless reality that, you know, I, I offer to people. And it's a lot more, fun. think of it, right? It's a lot more fun to live when you know you can do anything than to think, oh, I only have to do these things that I've, I've learned, you know, how to do. And I don't think I can do anything else. That's constraining. You, don't, you know, you don't really, that doesn't really feel good. And so honor that and recognize, you know, you can, you can have other, other ways of doing that. So an example that I have is when I, I think this is one of the filters that I've kind of had growing up. I was very lucky to have this growing up that I, I didn't see the blocks that other people did, and so I didn't believe in you know kind of following rules just because there were rules. And I was like, okay, why is this a rule? It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do that. And so I started right out of school. I started in uh, this big kind of defense contractor company. Huge, you know, huge company, two hundred thousand people, lots of lots of rules, lots of regulations, a lot a lot of ex military personnel, and I was like, yep, they love to follow rules, and so within a few weeks of starting, I was like, okay, I, I'm not really curious, I'm not really interested in the, the work that I'm doing. I want to learn more, and I'm more interested in uh, leadership than I am in doing you know whatever work I'm I'm here for, and so I found a job posting uh and it was like you need to have like 20 years of experience you need to basically be a three-star general or admiral to apply for it etc i was like cool apply and I was like, I'm going to read that, completely disregard it, and then apply anyway. And then I walked into the hiring manager's office and I go, hey, I know you're not going to hire me. That's not why I applied for the position. But what you, I think, are going to do is you're going to give me a project that I'm going to deliver to you in six months. And then you're going to promote me and I'm going to work with you directly. So let's talk about what kind of project you're giving me. I walked out with a project. And and so to me, that's totally normal. Yeah, this is what I want. And this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to like you know, tell people what they're doing is wrong, or that they should do this. But no, this is what feels good to me. And it's learning to where other people see doors, I create a portal and go to wherever I want right? to put into like wizard quantum terms. And it's this ability to choose the reality that, that I want, rather than accept the reality that other people have based on their own limitations and based on their own filters. And that's totally okay if they enjoy it. But if I don't enjoy it, I'm going to choose something else.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I I love that you contextualized it within, you've always been a person who challenged rules, you know, that this was an innate quality that kind of gave you sort of that, I don't want to call it a prerequisite, but just gave you that ability and capacity to imagine. And it kind of, yeah, brings to mind again, that You know, um, fine line between setting an intention and then surrendering to whatever outcome is then presented to you, which seems like a um, countering sort of energy. Like intention is like creating and engineering, right? And then the surrender is like whatever happens happens. And how do you like? How would you tell someone who maybe followed rules but they're curious about quantum creating? How would you? help shed light on that intricate balance between the intention but then the surrendering, especially if they don't have that capacity to be like, I refuse to accept the reality that I'm given because I have the power to create the reality to begin with.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, I I would bring in a little bit of a shift that I accept the reality that I'm given. I just don't choose it. So it's an important distinction that I'm not denying it. I'm not saying, oh, no, 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 there's, there nope. It's like, it's important to not deny anything, right? That would be bypassing. Uh, but I can accept it and still choose something else. Yeah, there, there, there is a bit of a difference. And in terms of how, you know, there, it, it is a balance of creating structure and then surrendering within that. And surrendering, key is, okay, surrendering to whom? Okay, for many people, it's easiest to understand, let's say your higher self, your soul, the universe and one of the most common fears in the beginning of the journey is yeah but what if they lead me towards something you know that I don't want to do that I don't like okay well ask yourself what have been the most magical days in your life and I guarantee you they weren't planned because you can't plan magic and so certainty actually kills magic and so there's a reason when Tony Robbins talks about the six core human needs there's certainty and then there's uncertainty and yeah there are opposites but when you're driven by certainty, your life is boring. And yeah, it's safe, but you're going to have no newness, no adventure, no nothing. And I would ask a person, okay, do you enjoy that? Does that bring you happiness? If so, perfect. But doing the same thing and expecting different results, well, that's crazy.
0: (laughs) Right. Albert Einstein (laughs) said that.
1: And so it's learning, okay, what kind of experiments. And this is another thing from engineering, right? I view everything as an experiment. And so it's like, okay, what kind of experiment can I design so that I can test whether this is true? Because at the moment, it feels like I believe I'll be led to paying just out of thin air with no data to back it up. So let me create an experiment where maybe the next project that I do, I'm, I'm going to say what I want but I'm going to release the need to know how it happens necessarily. I'm going to not control it as much and very consciously dial down the control and see and experience. I'm like, how did that go? Did I feel good? Did other people feel good? Where does a result better than I could have expected? Okay, then if so, then next time I'm going to dial that notch down even more and I'm going to find that balance that works for me. And so unless you treat, unless you enter that experiment, then we're just driven by our prior conditioning. And the only way to shift out of that is, okay, I'm going to do things that are uncomfortable. And in reality, yeah, your soul will lead you towards, like, the things that we're most afraid of uh, are being told to leave our relationship, being told to, uh, you know, shift our life. Yeah, it's going to happen. The question is, is it going to happen through your own choice? And because you're recognizing it's not in alignment, or are you going to wait until your partner leaves you, you get fired, and you're going to be forced to do it anyway, because it's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not an alignment, the thing that you fear will happen. And so you either choose to shift that and recognize, okay, I get to find more alignment. And whether that means changing the relationship or exiting the relationship or change will need to happen, especially in the beginning, that's a little bit more hard um, and that's okay. And the, the thing is, unless we choose to do that, then, okay, then we're basically allowing things to flow and this is the kind of let's say the negative aspect of surrendering. Oh yeah, things will happen kind of as they happen. Well, that's you not taking responsibility for your life. And so all of us get to do that. Uh, to become creators, we get to say, okay, if something is not in alignment, how can I shift that? Rather than expect things to magically work out. And that's magical thinking and not the good kind. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, there's a there's the fine line and I like that we're exploring the edges because It's about taking responsibility no matter what, but enjoying that process of being in in the unknown, which as Joe Dispenza says, you know, being in the unknown or uncertainty is about being no body, literally, in no time, in no space, as no thing. Literally, not floating as in like I'm levitating and I'm completely disassociated from this body and this earth, but just being comfortable in the discomfort of not knowing literally what your orientation is. But being so okay with that, which has some texture to what you were saying about this experiment of like, hmm. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because that experience can feel like death to people. It is death. <laughs> is it's it? De-
1: it is death. To your ego, that's death. This is why people are afraid of it, because to the to their ego, going into something that it doesn't know is death. And we get to learn to be okay with that. When you go to the gym, like, this is a simple way for people to understand. Let's say you want to uh, do a full split and you go to the gym. And if you're like me and your hamstrings are are tight, you're not even going to get halfway to it. And your body's going to say, fuck this, let's go have a coffee. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be doing this. However, if I want this bad enough, I'm going to smile. I'm going to keep doing it day by day and be okay with it and be okay with the discomfort. So on a physical level, for some reason, we think that's okay. But on an emotional mental level, we're like, oh no, 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 let's avoid that. Let's not go there. So I would invite people to extrapolate. You already do this in the physical. When you work out, you go through discomfort. You can take that same sense of going through discomfort for a goal that you want. Okay. Apply that to your spiritual journey and learning to that. You can literally, this is what I would say. You can code yourself for discomfort, right? So you can create and design experiments that would allow you just a little bit to step outside of your comfort zone, see that nothing bad happens and to expand from there. Rather than saying, I'm not going into it at all. So you can, you know, if you want to be a public speaker, it doesn't mean that you should jump on stage tomorrow in front of 20,000 people. You may not have a great time. (laughs) However, if that's what you want and you feel excited about that, then you're like, okay, well, what's what's something in between that I could do that still feels a little uncomfortable? And maybe that means filming yourself on an Instagram story and letting, and and that, that, this is exactly what I did. And... Literally, as I started doing that, four weeks later, I was presenting, doing like a live activation at a quantum healing festival that was online that had 50,000 people in it. And I was terrified of like public speaking. So literally in a month, you could make these quantum jumps or less, but you need to actually do something. You can't just think it's going to align. You need to actually take aligned action. And one of the, I think you mentioned one of your earlier responses that it's important to know whether what you want is yours, your desire, or you're doing it for some other reason. If it's driven by ego, if it's driven by I want a billion dollars because I want other people to love me, yeah, that's not going to work. If you want to be a public speaker because you want to make your parents proud, also not going to work. It's not your truth. You're doing it for other reasons than yourself. And the key here is anything you do needs to be making you happy, needs to feel expansive and light and kind of like butterflies in your stomach. If you don't feel that when you're whatever it is that you're pursuing, chances are that's not yours.
0: Yeah, the feeling of a full body, ass yes, is very different than uh, let me do this for someone else or let me do this because I should do it, right? The should energy. Velocity, yes, that's who. Cool. Right. I mean, it's, it's so, it seems so basic, but the fact that we don't get that education in life is very concerning.
1: I would agree. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so I'm offering that education at some point later in life. My intention is for this to be offered in MBA programs, especially for people who are training to be business leaders. Like, yeah, I'm going to come and kind of break the curriculum at Harvard by teaching this. But like, guys, you need to learn emotional intelligence and energetic dynamics and understand that this is far more important to learn to harness your energy than learning strategy and learning how to like do a balance sheet. Because if you're doing this because you feel like you have to, and your energy of your zone of genius is somewhere else, you're actually harming this. So same principle applies. Any action is going to amplify the frequency with which you enter that action. So when you're, let's say when you're to, you know, to, to people who are like coaches and healers and, and they're like, Oh, I I have to write a post. Okay. Why? Is it because your mind is panicking and because you haven't had sales conversations in a week or a month or two months? And because it says like, if I don't do this, I'm going to not have clients. The worst thing you could do is write a post. Why? Because you're in the energy of fear. You're in the energy of scarcity. That post is going to transmit exactly that energy, whether you believe it or not. And then every person reading it is going to pick up that energy of lack and scarcity and victimhood. And the only people you're going to attract are going to be victims. Do you want to work with victims? I don't. And so similarly, it's actually going to decrease your business as opposed to as soon as I feel something like that, I'm like, okay, is it because I'm feeling called to write something and to share something? Because if not, I'd rather take the next week off and figure out exactly how to shift me back to the frequency of abundance, of service, of surrender, etc., And then only then will I take action within my business. Why? Because I view my business as, as a kingdom. It doesn't matter. And any person that's touching any of my content, whether they're working with me as a private client or in a mastermind or just reading my content or anything, I view it as a kingdom. And whether you're, you know, kind of a farmer, uh, a knight, or a, whatever, uh, a wizard, wh- whatever your place in the kingdom, people come to it in order to transform, in order to feel good, in order for their life to improve. I absolutely will not transmit any frequency other than abundance and love, and joy to anyone in my kingdom, because to me, this is what leadership is. And I would rather sacrifice my business than transmit a frequency of scarcity.
0: Mm, Precision. Precision is key. So, so much to unpack there. I'm really glad you took the conversation to that place, because I do want to understand quantum creation and the world. But before getting there, can you just um, take us through, like, a practice or routine that you do for yourself every day to quantumly align with, you know, your highest self so that you can show up in the world? Like, what does that look like? Can you just color an experience? So people listening from all around the world, you know, this is Alex in Bali in 2020. What does that look like for you? A practice or a routine that you do?
1: I will share that. And I'll also kind of color, color in the fact that when when people ask what my practices are it's not really practices to me. This is life. It's not, I don't consider it as, okay, let me take time to do this. No, this is my way of being. And this is what I do every single moment. And it's not something separate that I practice in the beginning when people are picking these things up. Yeah. Maybe they're, they feel mechanical, just like when you learn to ride, a, you know, drive a car for the first time. Like, okay, this is a steering wheel. This is the music button. I like this music button. I'm going to use that often. And it feels kind of mechanical. You might have to pull over to turn the music on in the, the, you know, in the first month or so. And then two months later, you're cruising down with, you know, in, in your convertible and you're enjoying, enjoying life. And you're not thinking about it. It's automatic. It's your way of life. It's who you are. And so this is something to recognize that something that's a practice is actually becomes your lifestyle. And so for me, it's become completely my lifestyle to constantly Connect, let's say, energetically connecting to the center of the earth in order to ground And People can visualize a red cord coming down of the base of their spine, their root chakra, um, and connecting to the heart of Gaia, heart of the earth. And then another cord coming out of the top of their head, the crown chakra, and connecting to your soul star, to the heart of your soul star. And so this kind of aligns you in this column column of ascension that anchors you in, in this reality but also connects you very specifically to your soul mission and your soul. Meaning that anything that I'm doing from this space is as a creator and I'm only doing things that are soul aligned and I no longer am receptive to things that are other people's missions, other people's desires, other people's realities. And so it kind of aligns me all the time. And then in terms of you know, a, a practice that I wanna invite people to start doing is recognizing how, what is it that I feel in any given moment? Not what I think, what I feel. And this is where we get to connect more with our body. Oh, this person just cut me off. What do I feel? Oh, this person, no, 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 not, not what they did, not what happened. What? Do you, how do you feel about that? And what is the meaning that you're attaching to that particular situation? Because the meaning is what's going to drive your reaction. And this is like getting into more NLP principles and kind of your behavior model. And the key is something happened and it has no objective. It's, there is no good or bad. It just happened. It just is. And then the story that we weave around it is what drives a reaction. And if we weave a story that, oh, this person cut me off. This means they don't respect me. This means I don't deserve respect. Yeah, okay, that's that's a story. However, do you like that story? Do you like yourself when you're in that? No, change the story. You can change it right then and right there and say, I attribute it to the fact that this person's late and it has nothing to do with me. Oh, okay, cool. I feel great.
0: (laughs) So what you're describing for for people who are i guess familiar with the language of mindfulness and meditation how does this practice i guess this way of being right it's less of a you know morning practice or a compartmentalized practice it's more of the way you carry yourself but how how is it different than just like sitting down and meditating and being aware of oh, feelings and sensations, but not attaching yourself to the story around it, because that's just the condition that's coloring the sensation that, that creates pain or pleasure, right? So do you see like a, a difference in, in mindfulness meditation versus, you know, this quantum way of living?
1: Um, so th- this is another invitation that, you know, whatever practice people have recognized, there's many layers and it can go deeper and it does go deeper, right? So when Okay, you can meditate. And for instance, like the energetic states that I can guide people through in order for this, you know, cosmic subconscious surgery to kind of occur. Okay. For many people, it takes maybe hours to get into that state for me. I'm in that state. It's instant. There's no, there's no lead in process. And okay. What is this state of, let's say detachment and calmness that you, you know, can achieve in meditation? That's great. But unless you carry that every single moment of the day, your meditation is useless. The point of meditation, it's a training mechanism for you to feel that every moment of the day, not during meditation. And unless you're doing that, it's just an empty practice that you're kidding yourself, that you're changing your life. And so it's great to teach you how that feels, but then can you maintain it outside of that? So that every single moment you feel like you do in meditation, this is what I'm talking about. It's the ability to, okay, every single moment, maintaining that level of detachment and awareness and calm and joy and learning to self-regulate it on a, you know, moment-by-moment basis without needing to go sit, you know, under a tree for 20 minutes. So it's applied meditation.
0: I love that. It's very bold, but it's real, right? Practices are only as useful as you can apply them in your moment-to-moment. And of course, we don't have to achieve perfection, but just understanding that that link is what makes life alive.
1: (laughs) At the point of meditation, it's... It's to teach you how to apply that meditation to life, right? I've seen this in some clients where like one, one client of mine goes, oh yeah, I've been to 30 ayahuasca ceremonies in the last two years. I'm like, why in the world would you do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I've done 12. I feel like that's enough for me um, for now. And he's like, oh, because I feel so creative and so connected and it feels great, but then it goes away. I'm like, so haven't you thought of just learning how to be that all the time rather than having to go to ceremony and sit with a bucket for nine hours <laughs> like that's common sense to me <laughs> and this is what people don't recognize is they very much you know we tend to compartmentalize where we go the we do this meditation we're like okay we feel great now i can go through my day okay that's a good start same with ayahuasca oh i'm gonna go sit with this medicine and now i feel great and connected okay and after 30 days that's you're gonna be pulled back sooner if you're living in, you know, a city like New York or somewhere else where there's a lot of stimuli. And so the key is, and the question that I started asking myself is, yeah, I don't want to do anything that I can't apply in real life. So the only things I'm interested in learning are the things where I can live that way, where it's a lifestyle and I don't have to go sit in the jungle for, you know, for whatever days at a time in order to reach the state. I want to be in the state. How do I do that? And so once you start asking the question, how do I do that? Not whether it's possible. Different answers come.
0: The billion dollar question (laughs) from Alex. So integration is core. I think that's a really big part of, you know, when you start to, you know, notice like healing can also be an addiction. You can be a healing junkie and not Mm. want to integrate the wholeness of who you are in your life from these higher altered states of consciousness that you download from ayahuasca or these other particular healing Spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I love that integration is a big part of your work. And I'd love to um, ask you the question of, you know, how we can integrate quantum creation into the worlds that you were just talking about the MBA worlds, in in leadership spaces, maybe in corporate or otherwise. um, As, you know, a coach and as someone who embodies this at your core of being. Who do you like to affect as a quantum leader? Um, who do you feel like, or what institution do you feel like could really benefit from this? And what would be your vision for integrating quantum with the non-quantum? <laughs>
1: well, there, there is no non-quantum. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I would love for this to be actually impacting everyone around the world. At the same time, I also recognize that at the moment, um, the people that I can reach are people who've already done a lot of self-development work, right? It's not going to be people who are very resistant to this knowledge. And so this is one of my principles is I won't, like I don't want to teach people who don't want to learn. So if we don't have a question or, we, or, or people come in with, oh, well, prove to me then this works, like you get to go on a journey to a level where you're open with that. So it's important for any of us who are working with people to recognize, you know, it's <laughs> helping people who ask you for help or have a question, not proving to people that this is a better way to live. And so many of us, when we go through these shifts, through these ceremonies, we are like, oh, I'm going to teach everyone around the, around me to do this. I want everyone to be a wizard. I want everyone shifting timelines. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to teach my family. It's going to be great. And then you're like, mom, I have this awesome shamanic breath work that's going to activate DMT in your brain. Let's do this 30 seconds. And you're like, nope, not interested. And that's something you get to live with because you recognize, wow, okay, it's not about showing other people that this is a quote-unquote better way. Who am I to say it's a better way? It's a way that works for me, that I quite enjoy it, and I'm happy to share it with people who are interested in learning, but I'm never going to go out anymore and try to prove it to people. And so this is, you know, I, I would love to come in and do lectures at Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, et cetera, like top universities that are training the leaders of the next generation so that they can actually receive this foundational knowledge of how the universe works, how everything in their life is created by them, how they can create businesses and how they can actually then align all of those things. And this is one of the reasons that I didn't want to build a business because I came from the business world and I knew that I love coaching people and that I'm good at it, but I don't want to build a business because I've been in it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to build a business the traditional way that we were taught. And that meant like people would, would love talking about how, oh, how many hours I worked and, you know, how little vacation I took. I'm like, that sounds miserable. Why would you brag about that? Like, that's not cool for me. I'm not interested in that. And so for me, I, and then as soon as I had the question of, okay, how can I, how can I learn to do that better? I manifested a quantum business coach, like the only person on the planet that could teach this. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to channel galactic entities and, uh, uh, from channel and create your business. I'm like, okay, thank you. I created that. And so really important to understand the power of questions. So I think to answer your question, I, I endeavor to work with people who want to impact others as well through whether, you know, one-on-one work or individually, through whatever they want to unlock their full creative potential so that I know that when we're creating from the heart, when we're actually aligned with what we want to do, it's that energy that people want, right? So if I walk in into a farmer's market, And you know, one person is selling a a brownie that you know that they just made, and another person is like a galactic brownie that very specifically and intentionally coded with specific frequencies that I know is going to raise my energetic state, and cost ten times as much. I'm going to buy that because everything I do is an investment in my frequency, because I know that that is that that is my biggest asset that allows me to create and to embody the life that I want. And this is one of the shifts that I would love to see people start taking and to start normalizing. Like in our society, it's normal. Like, okay, yes, I spent, you know, 200 grand in my MBA education and like, I'm kind of used to investing in myself. But for people who may be not, not as used to that, especially people who are not from the states where education is fairly expensive. So recognize that our level of investment in ourselves is, is our level of self-love for ourselves. And so if we want a life where we're a millionaire, but we're not willing to invest into going to a retreat that costs $20,000, what kind of like, would your millionaire identity invest in that retreat? Yes. Okay. Well, you see the misalignment. And so in our society, we're taught to do what? Invest in stocks, buy a house, buy a car. Okay. But are those things helping you grow? No. Okay. But then investing that same amount into a $20,000 course or $100,000 course, those are considered not normal. I'm like, okay, something doesn't align. So the things that allow you to reach your full potential are are actually told, you know, you're told that's, not a great investment, but invest in the things that can bring you more money so that you can buy things, so that you can be happy. I'm like, that seems like a very roundabout way of achieving the same thing, except it, that one doesn't even work.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, like you're kind of explaining like this old paradigm that's very much grounded in this material possession without real conscious questioning around why do you want that? Yeah. Just because society told you, doesn't mean it has to be your truth, but even asking that question can be very new for a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, my mind just went here. So, you told me before this show that sort of recently you had like a spiritual coming out moment on LinkedIn sure. where you, <laughs> you did, a, I'm sure, quantumly um, oriented. Of course, everything you do is quantumly um, motivated, but where you just came out about who you are, what you're doing, what you're creating, how you can be in service. And I would love for you to tell that story to our audience of what it was like to have this spiritual coming out to peers, you know, who maybe didn't necessarily think to see you this way and saw you as this old Alex, but are now seeing this new Alex. How was that for you?
1: It was uh, was a beautiful, I think of many things as initiations. And allowing me to step into higher identities, and so that was definitely one of them. Where I know I've shared on Instagram and and Facebook, and obviously like my my clients and friends, they know the transformation I've been through, and they kind of they resonate with this. But I've never really shared my kind of backstory or what what I'm doing on LinkedIn. And for me, it was always this: was like I have a bunch of like fund managers and and hedge fund managers, and you know consultants and bankers, etc. From back back from my business days on there. And I was like, oh man, that's, that feels edgy. So I, I know I get to do it. And I know that one of the things that, like, for me, leadership is a big driver that, like, how can I teach people to own who they are if I'm not fully doing that? And so for me, it was a step to align myself to the leader that I choose to be. And I was like, I, I'm doing this and I'm trusting that this, this is going to help the right people hear the right things. And this is me owning where I'm at in my journey and recognizing that if a month from now this changes to be okay with that, because I knew in the past, I was afraid of it's like posting a job update. And then a month later you get laid off and you're like, "Fuck!" I have to post that job update again. And people are going to know, and that's going to be crazy. And it's to realize no one is fucking sitting there watching, monitoring you thinking, I knew it. I knew it. That guy didn't do that. No one is doing that. (laughs) And, We're doing that to ourselves, and so as soon as I posted it, I it was actually beautiful hearing responses from people I haven't talked to in years. A lot of them in a corporate world, and they're like, "We don't know what questions to ask, but can we please talk for half an hour?" Because we, I know they're like, we've had some of these questions, but we have no one to ask them to, because everyone around us would tell us we're crazy, like we're making you know three hundred grand a year, being in this like bank and. Etc. and life is supposed to be good, but we feel miserable. And we can't say that to anyone because no one around us would understand. And so they're like, can you guide us to some resources? What kind of questions we can start asking, Etc. It was actually really beautiful uh, to watch people, you know, come, come back and say, wow, this really helped me see that there might be another path and help me start asking the right questions. And that, for me, that was worth it.
0: Way to go with that. <laughs> I think the spiritual coming out moment, especially on LinkedIn, is a big one. That's why I felt called to ask you about it. And, you know, I guess you, you touched on this, but maybe we can go a little bit further. What do you think it'll take for these leaders in finance, in these really old institutions that are very much set in their ways, that power the market economy, that power capitalism? What do you think it'll take for them to start embracing quantum leadership, quantum business management, or quantum insert your industry of choice? You know, I mean, in terms of really envisioning from your perspective, how can culture shift for quantum leadership to really take off and become more of a mainstay 10, 20, 30 years from now?
1: I'd like to work quantumly and say a year from now. (laughs) but. It's a great question. And so honestly, I think there is, first of all, there is going to be a much bigger, let's say, quantum advisor industry, where every single corporation will recognize um, the kind of shifts that they can make um, through embracing this. And I'm actually, I know for a fact that like heads of state already retain quantum advisors for this specific reason, in order to um, be very deliberate how they're coding all of their messaging. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Barack Obama and Donald Trump and key leaders that they already actually have this sort of advice and top executives. So for instance, think of Steve Jobs, right? And many people, you know, view him as as a visionary and channeled in, you know, he created so many beautiful products that were completely unheard of. Do you think he created that with his mind? No, (laughs) you don't create creative things with your mind. It has to come from imagination, from channeling, which is another word kind of for that, connecting to your intuition and trusting. So it's creation. Creation cannot come from the mind because it only bases itself on prior experience. So by definition, can't create something new. This is where consultants are, right? Like having been a consultant, you can look at something, you can incrementally improve it, but that's not breakthrough innovation because consulting is based kind of on the mind. It's where there's no limited creativity opportunity. And so... Your ability to be a visionary, well, anyone can develop that. So all athletes and you know, performers and they're all channeling on some level, whether they're aware of it or not, to get to a certain state where many people think that's impossible. And so, in order to reach those peak states of performance, many people kind of view that as flow. And so it's learning how to live in this constant flow consciousness rather than just sporadically activating a flow state, then more and more people are already recognizing this. And so people like, you know, people driving corporations like Elon Musk who are highly innovative, et cetera. People like Tony Robbins coming out that, yeah, they work with plant medicine. Yes, they believe in all this stuff. And so more and more people, I first of all, I fully believe they've already done this work, especially having been in the San Francisco, Bay Area, LA area. Many people do this work. They're just not public about it. And so more and more now, the younger generation, people who are coming into leadership, um, they're going to choose to already pursue this path of consciousness more kind of earlier on and then can affect change from within. It doesn't mean that you need to create your own company. Some people are have this mission where they get to develop this level of consciousness and they can be a lawyer or a doctor and change things from within. And so how long it takes, I have no idea, but it will take increasingly more people actually taking action and taking responsibility for their life. And asking themselves the questions of, what if there is more? And how can I how can I explore that? And yeah, that means going into discomfort. Yeah, that means into going into different experiences, investing in yourself. However, ask yourself the question, did following what you believe to be true up until now lead you to ecstatic joy and happiness? And if the answer is no, why would you keep doing it?
0: Hmm. You have a very precise and engineering way of taking... Yeah, universal consciousness and the potential it can bring to your life, and integrating them. And it's like it feels spiritual, but it's also in a different language, which is like colored by I think this engineering training that you got, and, and really you know integrating the the wholeness of what what exists and what is possible. And it's it's really beautiful to listen to. Um, and I guess kind of coming to a close. Like, what is next for you in 20... I mean, 2020 is coming to a close. <laughs> Thank goodness, maybe.
1: Best year ever.
0: Best year ever, right. I mean, yeah, that's amazing to hear that it has been the best year ever for you. Um, but yeah, right now, like, what's next for you? Where, where, Where is your journey taking you with all this work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's just... it For me, it's always... I'm always growing and i've designed my life to optimize you know to really maximize that and so for me i love learning and developing more and more of these insights and and sharing them with people because i love witnessing and shepherding transformation and so for me up until recently i've only done one-on-one work with with clients now i'm expanding more and more to launching a mastermind in a, in a couple of months and so it's expanding more to group work and um also probably like writing, writing a book or two and uh, doing more speaking engagements. And so for me, it's how can I deliver and share this message that I do believe it's important for people to know, but from a place of this has been my journey and this is what has allowed me to uncover in my own life and to at least spark questions in people, right? To catalyze potential for change. It's not to tell them that this is the way. I have no idea if this is the way. However, this is how it's worked for me. And I can share that. And so it's expanding how many people I can actually reach with this message. And then continuing my own inner growth journey and recognizing, you know, I used to have this kind of limiting belief that, oh, I need to learn this and this and this and this in order to then share with others. And I realized that that's a false narrative that actually keeps us perpetually from doing anything. Scarcity. It's, yeah, it's like perfectionism. And instead, I've learned to, okay, I'm going to, It's it's kind of like, On one hand you're always learning and as a result i always have new information to share and this is why i probably won't be teaching the same thing twice in the same way because i'm constantly upgrading it i'm kind of constantly kind of polishing my own understanding my own experience of the world and then constantly sharing that with people in new unique ways so it's more of what are the avenues that can reach people that people will you know find it helpful to receive it rather than just thinking okay i'm What can I give people? For me, it's kind of finding this balanced approach of what do people need and how can I serve in order to facilitate that?
0: And it's really, again, kind of going back to sort of the premise of the show. It's like this crisis in consciousness that we've been in, you know, of trying to find entities or organizations out there to fix the state of the world, when instead we can be Uh, owning our own power and asking ourselves, what can I do to change my own world so that the world can change? It doesn't change from the outside in, it changes from the inside out. And, you know, what you're doing is really like taking people as far as you've gone, but it's always starting with yourself first, which I think is something that people are becoming more aware of and more accepting of because we see the systems crumbling. We see that institutions can only really take us so far. And Brene Brown, she's like a huge researcher in the vulnerability and shame space. She, you know, in a recent podcast, she talked about different models of power. And I love that this old way power over is becoming obsolete because in order to affect change, you have to have power with power within, you know, and and power to others versus like, I'm going to dominate over you and tell you what you need actually what about creating space where you get to ask the questions and you get to guide yourself and I can support you? Um, but that that's a that can be a small shift for some, and it can be a huge shift for others. So you know
1: I mean really and relating that to the the quantum explanation by changing your own frequency and radiating joy and happiness, just to take those, for example, walking down the street or walking through a restaurant every single person in that restaurant just got an upgrade as a result of you being there. You didn't even have to do anything, you're just there. And every one of those people, you're only gonna bring out those frequencies in them. And so those people are gonna raise to a state of joy and happiness. They're gonna go home and talk to their families. Literally with your presence, you're coding millions of people every single day. And because that's your frequency, so the field is gonna restructure itself to match that. And so rather than waiting for a certain president to be elected for your life to change, change yourself, and that will change the president that's elected.
0: Damn. <laughs> You're
1: <My trap. laughs>
0: uh, Like, we need to have a part two at some point.
1: Got a lot to chew
0: on. Um, yeah, it's it's really, and maybe maybe I'll just do one more kind of build on that, um, and and to really just, in the spirit of understanding, right, because, you know... We're all energy, right? That's just the basis of quantum physics. And once we can really just accept that instead of having to try to prove it, right, which is a whole other energy that's going in, then we can be these infinite creators. And so, like you just said, when you're walking into a space and you're aligned and and people around you can pick up on that, do they necessarily need to be open to be able to receive that or just, like you're saying, the mere presence of people in a space or even digitally like that will be transmitted.
1: Hmm. I'll respond with us with a slightly different scenario. So let's say you walk into a space and your friend is there and your friend is angry at something and they start talking to you while you're in this frequency of joy and happiness. And you're not actually, and you're monitoring that. So you're not actually shifting into that. What do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, You said the person you're interacting with is in an angry or lower vibrational state. Well, if you don't feed it, then the energy is going to shift out of that, right?
1: Yeah, it's basically, it's going to dissipate. There's nothing for them to resonate with. And so, like, oh, all of a sudden, I feel like like you. So with your energy, you're actually pulling people into that level. And any lower energies just kind of dissipate.
0: Yeah, I just I had that visual because Joe Dispenza likes to say when we move out of the density of lower vibration that lives in you know, lower chakras and we move up into creative um, vibrations that are elevated. And as a result, um, that's where creation exists, like you're saying, you know, that is more powerful because of the higher vibration than this denser energy that pulls us
1: down. Yeah. And so to this point, does that person need to be open for that? Or they're just going to recognize nothing is, you know, they're not, their anger is not meeting anything and it's not resonating. And so your energy is affecting people whether they realize it or not. This is why the five people you spend the most time with are going to be the people that kind of you're, you're going to become like them. That's why it's very important to choose your inner circle rather than just accept it as given and all of your interactions that we actually we, we get to choose. And yes, obviously, a person's openness allows them to receive deeper. Right. So this is like one of the things that I screen for is how, how deep is a person able to actually be in their heart rather than just their mind? Because if they're not in their heart, they're going to receive 10% of what I offer. If they're in their heart and they're able to feel, they're going to quantum leap. And this is, the, this is the shift, right? So, yeah, we can transmit whatever we want. And if you're open to it, it's going to go a lot deeper and it's going to cause a lot or help, you know, empower a lot more transformation
0: so much
1: awesomeness. <laughs>
0: um, so Alex, to come to a close, um, can you leave our audience with either a message or a question that they can reflect on beyond this conversation?
1: Beyond all the questions throughout the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: narrow it
1: down. Come on.
0: One takeaway. Um,
1: yeah, I, I like to invite people to tune into the happiest day of their life? Who were you surrounded by? What were you doing? How did it feel? Now ask yourself the question, what if I could feel this every moment of the day throughout my life? And what am I willing to do to explore that?
0: Beautiful. so simple. (laughs) Let's just change the world. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'm definitely going to chew on that. And, you know, For everyone who feels moved, uplifted, shifted in any way, um, yeah, please, please let us know. And I'm going to include Alex's links and work in the show notes so that we can continue to follow along your journey and just, yeah, just see how we can integrate what you're bringing into the world into the places and spaces that are ready for it and allow that to ripple out.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to hear how, how this lands for people. And yeah, look forward to uh, creating, creating a world where everyone is a quantum creator.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your presence on the show. This was a really <laughs> wild conversation <laughs> in the best of ways. I think we need people like you to just, yeah, move the needle, especially during these times.
1: Thank you for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. Awesome.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. The Alt-Normal. This show is produced by Resonance, the creative practice of dig, seed, grow. If you enjoyed this conversation, please show us the love. You can subscribe, share, or leave a review be so grateful to help us amplify these stories far and wide. Thanks so much.